Summer heat, summer chill. Keep the RV air conditioning in chill mode all summer long. This is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast, delivering the smarts you need to enjoy the freedom of the RV lifestyle without the fear of breaking down. So I want to give a shout out to all the do-it-yourselfers out there who are sharing your stories with me. Some great stuff is going on, roof jobs, siding, so keep it up. And the more you share your stories, the more it helps your fellow do-it-yourselfers. Now we're in July, and it's come to Montana in July month. And next week, the 28th, 29th, and 30th, we are having an open house. So if you happen to be here, come on by the store. We'd love to meet you. So this brings us to our first section of the show, living the RV life. Yeah, everyone enjoys RVing differently. Some like to get away and do absolutely nothing. You know, break out the chair, just sit around, watch people, watch the grass grow, watch whatever. But others like to do other things like maybe going out and just eating. It's all about the food, barbecue, you know, it's hot dogs, hamburgers, chips and dip. That kind of gives away my thinking of what I like doing, huh? Or maybe going to different eating establishments, you know, the hole in the wall type of places, or maybe something really nice. But everybody has a different take on what they want to do when they RV. Now, others like to keep busy. You know, they enjoy local activities, maybe golfing, fishing, you know, things that are available there that you're already doing or enjoy doing. And maybe it's something you only do when you go on a trip. You know, maybe fishing is the reason why you go on the trip. Golfing, you do at home and on the trip. But everybody has different things they like to do. But whatever you like to do most of the time or almost all the time can be accomplished in an RV. Yeah, you might have hobbies that you think you can only do at home. Like building a puzzle, for example. You know, it takes up some space on a tabletop, you know, depending on the size of the puzzle and how many pieces there are. But, you know, a puzzle could be done in an RV. If that's what you wanted to do, or you could put it out underneath your awning on a table and enjoy the outside while you're doing the puzzle. So, you know, there's different things you can do on a trip. So the point is bringing hobbies from home that you and your family members might like to have with you rather than making it a sacrifice and leaving it behind when that's what they might really rather be doing. You know, we all have things we like to do, but when we can take some hobbies with us, and maybe not everything is good for on the road, model building for a weekend might be a little tough, but other things are definitely doable on the road. So it makes the RV lifestyle that much more enjoyable for those who are with you, you and your family. So keep that in mind. Staying on the road. This is a section where we talk about repairs, maintenance, and actually the heading of the or the topic of the podcast is based on this every week so summer heat summer chill keep the rv air conditioning in chill mode all summer long so keeping the rv nice and cold in the summer is a must in keeping your family happy you and your family there is almost nothing worse than when those holes in the ceiling you know i'm talking about for the ducted air conditioning you got the holes in the ceiling and they stop blowing cold air on that hot, hot summer day. Have you ever noticed how when the AC doesn't work, it seems like it's about 200 degrees outside, you know, it just gets all exaggerated, everything's worse than what it ever was before. 
So for me, it puts the situation into DEFCON 1. You know, it's all hands on deck. You got to get that air conditioning fixed. You know, coming from Arizona, when our air conditioning, when our house went out, man, it was everything I had to do to get it going. And I knew a guy who, had, who worked on air conditioning, so off hours I could talk to him, get what I needed, and it happened a couple times. So it's important to have air conditioning going. So in order to have nice cold air, it's going to take a well-maintained air conditioner. When an RV air conditioner is maintained, it's going to help prolong the life of it. It's going to reduce stress and strain on the air conditioning unit. And for more information on maintaining an RV air conditioner, see episode number 87 or listen to episode number 87. That's what it's about is maintaining an RV air conditioner. So now we're not talking about maintaining it. It's kind of the bigger picture. What to do when the air conditioner is dead or ready to die. You know, if the compressor fails, it is time to replace the entire air conditioner. You know, you don't want to try to do a compressor. They're expensive. It's hard to find people to do them. So it's time to replace it. If the blower motor stops working and prior to its failure, if the air conditioner is working good, blowing nice and cold air, not making any noises, I would probably replace the motor in most cases. It also depends on the age of the air conditioner too, because you don't want to put money into something that's getting old. For example, if the air conditioner is 20 years old, you might just replace considering the whole unit, even if just the fan motor went bad. You know, the motor could be, depending on the brand, $200, $300, maybe even more. And then the installation, if you're not going to do it yourself. So if there's problems with the air conditioner and it's 20 years old, you might just want to consider replacing it. Now, that's a chunk of money. You know, they're not cheap, but you don't want to keep pouring money into it. If a repair is feasible, then you probably just want to do the repair. You know, whichever way you go on that, it sometimes depends on what your budget's going to allow, how much you use the RV, and, you know, whether it's really truly feasible or not. If you, if you can do the repair and avoid replacing the RV, or, I mean, the air conditioner, you might save a few bucks. But if it's not feasible, then just replacing it. When it comes time to replacing that air conditioner, it's not always as straightforward as it may seem. And now I'm going to back up here for a minute. You know, air conditioners aren't really gauged or their life isn't gauged by the hours on them. You know, an air conditioner that's, let's say, two years old with under 40 hours on it, that could be a good candidate for a compressor failure because it's not being used. I've seen it. The medic, Coleman, they've seen it. And that's a problem with the air conditioners. They need to be used. And that's the same with cars and a house as well. Air conditioners are meant to be used. You know, in all your modern cars today, the air conditioner's on when the defroster's on, when the heat's on, it dries out that air. So it's a better quality air. Remember the 60s, 70s, how your windshield would get all fogged up when the defroster was on? It's because the moisture in the air. So an air conditioner is built to run. So you want to use the air conditioner, even in the wintertime, if possible, turn it on, let it run. If you can't, just run it more often when it's warmer out. And I've said that because sometimes you buy a brand new air conditioner and you think you're done with it. Oh, here I go, another 20 years. Well, you got to use that air conditioner. Okay, so now it comes time to replacing one. So it's not as straightforward as it might seem to be. So there's different options, and some of that depends on what is already installed on the RV. 
it might just be easier to go back with the same brand of air conditioner. And the brands on the market today are Coleman, Dometic, Duotherm, Atwood. Dometic, Duotherm, and Atwood are all under the Dometic umbrella. Then there's Advent, Coleman. Carrier is no longer being made, but there's a, a bunch of them out there. And General Electric just got into the air conditioner game, and they're coming on some new RVs. So there's some different choices out now. There. Now, General Electric, you're probably not going to be replacing one of those for a few years yet. But the other ones, the chances are pretty good. You have one of them, and you'll be replacing it sometime soon. Each brand kind of has their own little specific things that they like to do. Where Coleman has their thermostats, and they're just four, five, six wire thermostats, pretty interchangeable with any Coleman air conditioner. Not 100%, but pretty interchangeable. Dometic and Duotherm, they have their own set of thermostats, and they're modular so they're not really interchangeable with any other brand. And then Atwood is the same way. Advent's a little bit different. Carrier has their own little gig going on. But all these things can be adapted if need be. It comes to an air conditioner, you have the unit that's on the roof. That's called the upper unit. Isn't that clever? Upper unit because it's on the roof. When your air conditioner dies, that's pretty much what fails is the upper unit. And so that's what you would need to replace. Now you have the ceiling assembly on the inside. So that's the part you see on the inside of the RV when you walk in. Now it now that's going to depend on what there is depending on whether it's a ducted air conditioner or non-ducted. So if your RV has ducts ducks running through and ducts, not D-U-C-K, but ducts with a T, no ducts running in your ceiling. Okay, so anyways, if there's if it's ducted, you're going to have the vents in the ceiling and they're in all the rooms and, you know, the air blows out there. Now, if it's uh, non-ducted, that means there's a ceiling assembly that the air just comes straight through. So it's not going through the ceiling. It's coming straight out the bottom of the air conditioner, basically. Ducted versus non-ducted. And most or a lot of older RVs have non-ducted ones. Um, that was, you know, 70s, 80s, even into the 90s. But ducted is very common today, so more than likely you have ducted, but it's not guaranteed. It also depends on the RV. A small Class C would probably be non-ducted. And then the wall thermostat, whether you have one or not, and what wall thermostat is in there. It may or may not work with a new air conditioner. So you might have to replace the thermostat. Now keep in mind, you're not going to replace the thermostat wiring. That's going to stay in the walls because it's built in from the factory. Typically... If you have a Coleman thermostat, you're going to have a Coleman air conditioner. And you're going to stick with a Coleman if you're going to replace everything, the upper unit and the ceiling assembly. Okay, and it's the same with Dometics. So this gets a little complicated, but it's not overwhelming. And I bring this up because when you're buying an air conditioner, especially if you're buying it online, you have to be very careful of what you purchase. You can't just go buy anything and think that it's going to work. It's better to talk to somebody who knows about them so you get the right components if you're buying online. I recommend buying it in a store. You might pay a little bit more, but you're going to get something. And a warranty is going to be much easier buying it from a local RV dealer than buying it online. And yes, new air conditioners do fail. They come with cracked parts, broken parts, missing parts. So buying it locally might be a better option. At least that's what I think. Technicians, dealerships, RV stores, they all have their favorite brand of air conditioning units. 
in some cases, it's what they really like. The technicians are comfortable with them. They get a good deal on them. They buy them in, you know, lots of whatever, 10, 15, 20 at a time. But even the suppliers they buy the air conditioners from, air conditioners from, have their favorite air conditioners that they're going to stock. So, you know, sometimes the brand you want might not be the easiest brand to find depending on where you're at. And generally, with a rooftop air conditioner, just about any of the brands are good. I don't think you're going to really notice the difference like, oh, boy, I wish I never bought this this Coleman one or I never wish I bought this Dometic one. Everybody has problems with them, but overall, they're all fairly equal. So the big question is, do I have to go back with the same brand? The big answer to that is no, but it's a little more involved than just that. So going back with the same brand will sometimes just make it easier. Price-wise, they're all pretty similar. Maybe not exactly the same, but they're close. Someone is selling you an air conditioner like we sell Furions. That's what we stock in our store because it's an easier air conditioner. We like it. It's a 14,500 BTU rather than a 13,500. And there's our 15,000 BTU. So this is right in the middle. It's a nice air conditioner. Furion has a good name in the RV industry. And Furion products are in a lot of RVs. Now, that being said, that doesn't make them the best out there, you know, top dog because of that. But it is a good brand. So with Furion, you can get a, a kit with it that will allow you to install it on any RV with any air conditioner. Well, I should say Coleman or Dometic. Dometic and Duotherm are the same. So that gives you a big option because that's a huge portion of the market. Carrier, Advent, Atwood, they don't have the same market share that Coleman and Duotherm have. They have a big chunk of that market. So that's going to cover a good chunk of the air conditioners out there. You know, in the, the kit, there's not much to it. It's basically a plug that'll work with a Coleman or a Duotherm, and then it has some adapters and some bolts. And what this does is it allows you to use your ceiling assembly. And this is even easier if you're doing it yourself, you know, because you can just buy that upper unit, a Furion upper unit, and the adapter kit to work with your Coleman or Duotherm. In fact, the kit works with both. And you can just put that puppy on the roof and be done with it. It's not a real struggle to do. And that's important when you're doing it yourself because now you don't find yourself going back and forth to the store to buy this, to buy that, the thing they forgot to tell you about, the thing you forgot to ask about, the thing you didn't tell them about. So there's all the variables there. So that makes it much easier. So I'd highly recommend, you know, just keeping your same ceiling assembly and just replacing the upper unit if your ceiling assembly is in good shape. And generally they are, you know, sometimes they get cracked or, you know, they discolor pretty bad and you might want to replace it because of that. And it's not always that easy to just get an older ceiling assembly either. So it's, you know, it, if everything's all beat up on the inside, then maybe it's just time to replace it all. And the reason why you'd want to just replace the upper unit and keep the same ceiling assembly hinges on the thermostat. If you have a Coleman thermostat, if you have a Dometic thermostat, it's easier to just leave all of that intact and put the new upper unit on. And now in thermostats for a minute, if you have an analog thermostat and you think, well, I got to really have a digital, the digital is nice. 
maybe gives a little more control over it depending on the on on your system the ceiling assembly and such but it's not going to make the air any cooler the air is going to be as cold as the air conditioner can give and that's that so don't buy it thinking you're going to have all this improvement and you walk into your RV, it's going to be completely different. You know, like the walls will change color and new furniture. And look at that fancy rug. It's not like that. It's just cold air. Cold air is cold air, right? So don't get hung up on that. And a lot of people do. So they start wanting changing things because they want to go to a digital thermostat. Not a lot of point in that. And that comes from the air conditioning companies as well. So keep that in mind. So replacing the upper unit and keeping your ceiling assembly sometimes is just going to be the easiest, most sensible thing to do without getting into a whole bunch of extra money, extra time, and complications. But most RV stores, if you need to do both, they can help you walk through that process. Just make sure that you get everything you need the first time, or if they're doing the job, make sure that they quote you right, and there's no surprises. You're like, oh, yeah, we uh, we didn't see this one coming, and now you got to buy this $300 Dometic 10-zone uh, wall thermostat um, to make it work with what you have. Or, oh, by the way, because you're going with this brand, we have to staple wiring on your roof and walls to make the new thermostat work. You know, you don't want to do that. Okay, so there's always a way around this, and even Coleman and Dometic, have adapter kits. I mean, they all do. All the brands do to adapt to a different ceiling assembly. Other than General Electric, they're still working on this. They're new in the game, so they're figuring that out. They're just going for new installations, like at the OEM level right now. But eventually, they'll come out with the adapter kits. So I hope that I explain that in a way it makes sense and the importance of not only keeping your air conditioner maintained, but looking at it when it's getting older you know, making that decision to replace it when it's time. You don't want to keep it going forever. Okay, so now that brings us to our next stop. And yes, Alexis is back in the studio. Hey. Been a couple episodes without her. So how are you today, Alexis? Good. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing wonderful. Nice. <laughs> and I see we're talking about Bishop, California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember growing up there as a kid. My grandparents lived there, and we were there all the time. Mm-hmm. Remember, I bought a yo-yo one time on Main Street. It was black with some uh, sparkly silver in it. It was kind of cool. Do you still have it? No. Nope. Oh, man. I was a kid. It didn't have any value then. <laughs> <laughs> yep, spent a lot of time there. So Bishop is a pretty cool place if you've never been there. It definitely has that old town feel. Even though it's grown, it's changed, it's still a... One of those places you'd like, if you haven't been there, to go there. If you've been there, you want to go back. So there's a lot to do there, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Now, the first thing on our list today, and by the way, Alexis comes up with all of the next stop information. So if this is horrible, it's her fault. If it's great, (laughs) well, then she gets that credit too. Now, it's good stuff. So the columns at Crawley Lake. So tell me about those, because that's one of the things that people would have to see when they're there. Absolutely. This would be a highlight for for the trip, I think. Um, These are super unique landmarks. They were formed um, by Magma and Ice right on Crawley Lake. Um, You probably know where that is. But they're super cool to see. You just don't see 
landmarks like that very often. If you Google a picture, actually, you'll kind of get to see what they look like. But they're just natural big rocks that look like columns. It almost looks like you could go into them. So it's, it's pretty cool to see. Okay, so now considering the area, would you need a four-wheel drive to get there? Yeah, unfortunately, you would absolutely need something with four-wheel drive to get down there. Um, otherwise, you could hike. It's about two miles in, so you would have to consider that. And it's not easy uh, walking over that, uh, you know, where it is. So Rocks, <laughs> keep that in mind, yeah. Right, okay, so it's four-wheel drive. Possibly a high clearance two wheel drive could do it, but definitely a four wheel drive is the way to go. Yeah. Okay, so there's another lake nearby, which is called Convict Lake. <laughs> yeah, it certainly lives up to its name, too. Um, back in the 1950s, there were escaped prisoners um, that actually took uh, residence at this lake, um, and they were found by this poor male boy who they, who they murdered. Um, and eventually they were caught, so they got justice, but it, it was kind of a crazy story. Um, and it's one of the deepest lakes in the Sierra Nevada mountains, which makes it beautiful and visiting it would be, would be a good idea. Yeah, it's a pretty popular lake. Um, my, uh, mother and father-in-law used to go there all the time. My brother and his friends go there all the time. I never really thought about the convict portion of it. So some convicts <laughs> took residence there. They did. So if you're ever in prison, you bust out, go to Convict Lake. <laughs> it's a welcoming lake for prisoners is what it sounds like. <laughs> sure. Okay, so um, I mentioned this earlier about hobbies. So if I'm in Bishop and I'm a golfer, mm -hmm. is there a golf course for me? Yeah, absolutely. It's, just, it's called Bishop Country Club. 18 holes it doesn't cost very much it's only 25 bucks and then there's you know rentals whatever you have to get a um, bucket of balls but it's a really good time it's a beautiful view um if you're really into golfing then this would be the place to go okay so i haven't golfed in a long time but 18 dollars sounds pre i mean 25 dollars sounds like a bargain it does it really does yeah, it sounds pretty cheap okay <laughs> And it's a gorgeous area up there, too. And, of course, you could Google the golf course as well if mm -hmm. you're concerned about it just being a patch of grass or something. But it's nice. Okay, so, um, yeah, a lot to do there. Another two places that aren't on our list, maybe we'll have to add these. The north of Bishop is Bodie the Ghost Town, which I think is not sure if that's past the mammoth turnoff or not, but the ghost town is really cool. you got to check that out. I mean, it looks like one day everybody in that town just got up and left. Like wow. they in the middle of breakfast or whatever it was, they just all left. Glass bottles broken everywhere. So everybody that drank anything back then just threw the bottle <laughs> on the ground and it broke. I mean, oh. it's incredible. Then there's Mono Lake, which is farther north, which is pretty cool to see. There's, I mean, you can't do much there. It's a, I forget the whole story of the lake, but it's interesting to see. And you can Google that as well. But heck, if you hmm. Google it, that might be all you need, you know. <laughs> Tie you over there, print a picture and say you've been there. <laughs> Okay, so where to eat? There's always something about food here. And now, before we get into this, or uh, I ask Alexis about it, there's one place that I want to add to, and that's Shots Bakery. So if you haven't been to Bishop or heard about this bakery, you've got to check it out. There's always people there, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, it's one of, yeah, it's got to be one of the most popular bakeries in the United States, I would think. 
So you have to check that out. And it's been there forever. It's got kind of a, a Swedish trend to it, I guess. Um, mm. if that's the, yeah, I think that's the right country. I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what else is there in uh, Bishop? Places to eat, Alexis. Oh, man, I'm still hung up on the bakery. It sounds so good right now. But um, <laughs> if you're looking for something else, they've got barbecue. They've got Holy Smoke Barbecue. I love that name. Um, they've got the pizza factory, can't go wrong with pizza and they've got whiskey Creek, which is a little bit fancier. So if you were thinking about getting dressed up and going out for the night, uh, whiskey Creek would be the answer to that. Okay. So, and that's just a few of many Mm -hmm. up there. Um, there's a lot of places in Bishop to eat. Like there's a lot to do there in general. Bishop's a great hub to venture out from there. I mean, you could, you know, Death Valley is, it's not right next door, but it's close enough by where you could do that, turn Mm -hmm. that into a day trip. And we've talked about Death Valley. So there's a lot to do from Bishop. And of course, the next question is, is there some place to stay? Yeah, absolutely. There's a place for everyone. Um, there's a couple that are better for RVers, um, the Bishop RV park and campground. They have a lot of spots, a lot of hookups. So if you're taking your RV with you, hopefully you are, then that is the place you might want to check out first. And then Creekside RV Park is also a good spot for RVers. Um, you can also stay in Highlands RV Park. It's smaller, but it's it's just as good. Um, but the other two, they, they have more spots, more hookups. So they would be the two to look into first. Okay, so very good. So when are the best months to go visit Bishop? You know, you can go any time of year, but... April to July are usually the best months because the tourism hasn't picked up quite so much yet. So you're going to have more spots to yourself possibly. Um, And it's really nice weather during that time. Yeah, especially April, May and that time because it's, you know, Bishop gets cold during the wintertime. It's at the base of the Sierra Nevadas. Mm. So it's going to have that cold weather. The roads can be icy. They can get snow, um, but it's not like snowed in. So that would be a good time to go. In fact, if you're going to go to Bishop, I mean, you got to buy out more in a weekend, a week, two weeks, that whole 395 corridor along, running along the Sierra Nevadas. There's so much to see there. You know, there's just so many little towns, cool places to go, things to see. So you want to check that out. And Mammoth isn't far that far away. Um, maybe mm-hmm. we'll have to do something on Mammoth with, if it's not already on our list, is it? Yeah, it is actually. Okay, so there you go. So maybe the next podcast we'll do Mammoth because it's so close by, and then maybe we'll have to do something on Bodie as well. Very cool places. All right, so that's our next stop. So we throw these up on the website, and we don't have all 100% detailed information, but it gives you enough to whet your appetite. You know, maybe get out the map book or Google Maps and check it out and do a little more research. Awesome place to go. So now RV Envy is where we talk about products, things for your RV to make it nicer, you know, to enhance it, make it uh, better for you to use or hey, make your, your neighbor jealous, whatever. <laughs> so most motorhomes, this isn't going to work for most motorhomes because they have a different door window in place. But for travel trailers, fifth wheels, pickup campers, most of them have a window on the entrance door that has a plastic frame. It looks like all the other plastic frame windows, and it's approximately 16 inches by 25 inches, 16 wide by 25 high. So Lippard Components makes this product called a thin shade. A lot of new RVs come with it, and you can replace just the shade itself if your window's already set up for it. But if you want to add a shade to your window, 
the thin shade kit is the way to go. It's probably the cleanest, easiest way to do it. Now it's, you know, $150 to 200 bucks, depending where you shop at, but it's well worth the investment if you want to shade on the window and something that is just there. And it's not going to flap around. It's not something you have to put up, put down with magnets or snaps or anything like that. It's really nice. So we'll have a link to that on our website. And of course, we'll have it on the smartrver.com. When I say our website, you should be reading my mind. That's uh, ArizonaRVPartCenter.com. But we'll have a link to it with some more information on it on the smartrver.com under episode 104. So I want to thank everybody for listening today and a great show. This is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast. It's been great hanging out with you. If I don't see you on the road, let's connect at the smartrver.com.